Hello, welcome. It's yet another A Star to Steer Her By, your favorite Star Trek watching podcast. We're doing all the Star Trek watching. This week we're watching some Voyager. Uh, The episodes this week are going to be episodes The Gift and Day of Honor on episode 268. I guess. So after all of that, you know that this is Ames. This is Caitlin. This is... Wow, I fucked up. Sorry. Great. Great, Chris. Sorry, Jake. All right. There, we introduced Um, each other. Yay! That's very sweet of you guys. Uh, So the theme this week is so long, shuttlecrafts, because we lose a (laughs) bunch of shuttlecrafts and just all over the place, because, wow, we're so bad at holding on to these things. (laughs) Uh, But let's start off losing a shuttlecraft in the episode The Gift. So in the gift, uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, Seven's body. We met Seven the other week. She's she's still here, and her body is rejecting those Borg implants now that she's out of the collective. And Janeway orders the doctor to treat her, even though it's emphatically not what Seven would want. But Janeway does. Uh, meanwhile, in the other, the tangential, the parallel plot, Kess's powers—they're accelerating rapidly. And Tuvok says, "Hmm." I want to do some more training with you because I really want to get my head boiled again. <laughs> Jesus, I said that too, dude. Holy shit. Not safe around this girl at all. In the first of the parallel plots, the doctor is succeeding in turning Seven into some kind of homunculus creature that's still somehow hot. Thank you, Jerry Ryan. And Janeway puts her to work removing all the Borg tech from the ship. But whoops, Seven is still a scorpion after all and tries to contact the collective naughty, naughty scorpion. <laughs> we also get a very nice little closure scene between Kess and Neelix that we've been fucking begging for mm. ever since they Were broke we? up. Oh, I was because they broke up and we never realized it. Uh, I thought it was a very sweet scene. We'll talk about it later. After the whole contacting the Borg thing, we throw Seven in the brig. And Janeway has one of those simultaneously intimidating and compassionate chats with her in which Seven throws back in her face that if she's considered an individual now, like Janeway claims, then she should have a say in what she does with her own life. Mm. Mic drop Seven, we are Borg bitches. (laughs) To complicate matters further, Kess's atoms are destabilizing all over the place. And after another heart-to-heart with the captain, who's just full of having heart-to-heart chats this week, uh, Kess decides she's a danger to herself, others, the ship, everybody in the Delta Quadrant, and and Adams, too. And she should go become a traveler with Wesley or something, is the impression I got. So in her parting scene, Kess creates some kind of energy thingy that blasts the Voyager many thousands of light years away and past Borg space. Thanks, Kess! Speaking of Borg space, the Borg space we do still have gets crammed into a cat suit. Uh, the, the doctor whipped up because he's a perv. Uh, and then we get a final moment of Seven showing a glimmer a glimmer of maybe being a person, kind of maybe. Bye, Jennifer Lean. We'll miss you the end. Garrick would have made a much better outfit for her. Yes. I, I, mean, like, the, I like that we can blame the EMH on the, on the costume. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing it was lacking was actual underboob. Um, Oof. Which, which, yeah, they needed you know, a cutout right down there. Yeah, which if, if you know, this were Quark's establishment, there definitely would be. I'm, or if I'm it, sh- go ahead. I was gonna say if it was like 
that's what little girls are made of. They could have used half the fabric. Hey! Mm. That jumpsuit, I think, covered more than, than this thing does. I'm, I'm sure uh, Berman tried to get them to do it. No, she's completely covered. Yeah. It's just that you can see all the way up her ass crack and her lady parts and, you know, everything else. Yeah, it's 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 upsetting. It looks uncomfortable. Deeply, Apparently it was. It was very uncomfortable. I think yeah, I mentioned before. Like, there's like corsetry in there that you can see. Yeah. I think that's just part of it. I think they just they couldn't, they couldn't hide it. So they just said, well, it's just part of it now. What's yeah. really gross about it is it looks disturbingly like you can just see her entire ribs. Mm, like right. I know that it's corsetry, but it just looks yucky. Looks it looks like it's meant, it's meant to be like coolant rods or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like, sure I'm sure there's an in-world explanation for these things that's just deplorable. For those who can't see at home, I am doing a huge jerk off. That is here. a huge jerk off, Chris. Yeah. Well, so the camera will pick it up. Sperm whale, man. <laughs> no, that would be like eh. <laughs> yeah, um. that's 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 when I jerk off the world's biggest dick and it looks like I'm trying <laughs> to hug a redwood. Yeah, say say what, say what you will about Picard, but her costume in that is definitely better. Oh, yeah, I'd wear that. Normal women could wear that. Yeah. Just any any lady on the street. Hey, do you want to wear this sick leather jacket? Yes. Although, hey, do I... you want to not be sewn into your clothes every day and not be oh, able to breathe God. most of the time? Yes. And it does, you know, in a way, it kind of undermines, I think, some of what they're trying to do with the character to just, you know, to, to dress her up in this ridiculous costume. Yeah. And well, she's had a lot of these bad costumes. Like, they don't get much better. No. no. The, no. The, I mean, like, they do get better. Like, I think the corset goes away at some point, but it's never yeah, when it's they never were, a great look. Yeah, when they replace the silver, like, lycra or whatever with the blue kind of, like, patterned one, it, it it's still far too clingy, but it, it, it somehow looks a little less terrible. It's still yeah. just childish. Like, yeah, just this a like woman in a uniform. trash bag. Yeah, yeah. We Listen, learn a little bit more about. Is uh, satisfied, and that's all that matters. <laughs> we we learn a little bit more about who she was prior to assimilation. It turns out her parents were like Federation fucking off grid prepper types or something, and I feel like took I a think... ship into the Delta Quadrant for reasons. I I feel like they kind of retcon this later. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, later yeah, this season, know, in fact, oh, in yeah, a few yeah, episodes, that, that they are like, you know, oh, they didn't agree with Federation ideals, so they got a ship and headed off on their own without fly filing a flight plan, and that went well. It's a uh, yeah. Again, the weird sort of like I know it was mostly Deep Space Nine's job to kind of poke and go like, is the Federation really all it's cracked up to be? But like. You know, even with this, whether they meant to or not, it's just kind of like, man, they just got files on literally everybody and seemed upset these folks just kind of wanted to do their own thing. Yeah, like, why do you have to file a flight plan if you're just doing your own thing? Well, I, yeah. think, I think you file a flight, same reason you file a flight plan when you're flying an airplane on Earth today. So yeah, but when this you, is When space. you inevitably disappear... Somebody can go and look for you and try to rescue you, potentially. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think like, airplanes over Earth today is the equivalent of ships in space. I think ships in space are more like you're just taking a car out. 
it, you don't have to like, every time you go to the grocery store have to say here's the plan i intend to take to the grocery store yeah but i think it's it's sort of like you know if you're going on a on a long hike you let people know where you're going to be so that when you disappear they can send the rescue chopper to the right location yeah, well, I, there's there's a lot of certainty in the disappearing. Ames, are you in are you in danger? Is Jake gonna disappear you on a hike? He's been no one, planning to. I actually no know even, I actually know of a boy who disappeared on a hike. It was very Jesus. sad. That's uh, awful. Yeah, exa- and that's why you file a flight plan so that when you yeah, get abducted you dumb by kid. Borgs. Jeez. Just kidding. Um, I don't know. These people the, these Hanson people, they just they sound really irresponsible. Well see, I, I would think of it less like going on a hike or a plane or anything like that. I think of more as like taking a boat out back during like the age of exploration or whatever you want to call it, where like there weren't all these treaties and not everything was claimed by someone like, like, let's be honest. If they had charted, you know, filed a flight plan, they're like, yeah, they kind of disappeared beyond Federation space. Guarantee you Starfleet would have gone. Eh, not our problem. <laughs> Accurate. DGA. No, D- do not give a fuck. Yeah, it doesn't change the fact that it's it's pretty irresponsible to do what they did. Yeah, but you know, again, like... And, like, you're talking about the age of exploration. Like, when people would go out on expeditions, it would be, like, you know, a giant galleon with, no, you know, a crew of, of hundreds versus... Or, like, the Scott three... Expedition, which was five guys. Oh, yeah, God, but sponsored idiot. by a fucking government, at least. You oh, know, that's it true. And, and a bean company, I think. And right? a bean, mm. yeah, yeah, they had, yeah, mm. and like somebody bean like, sponsorship, uh, which is um, oh boy, and, and you know, and plenty of dogs, which they should have eaten, should have, didn't because of honor and shit. But yeah, no, I mean, in this case, it's just a young couple and their child, and that that's the part that like is fucking stupid is mm. going out with your young child for some reason. And then, oh, we've been captured or killed, and our child is now a fucking monster mm. forever. Good, good going, Hansons. Speaking, you really though, stuck it to the man there. Speaking though of retconning, this has at least retconned uh, humanity's first known encounter with the Borg. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, is it does it count as a retcon if it's just this was a previously unknown Borg encounter? Well, it wasn't I guess... like it wasn't like you know the the. The Federation didn't know that there was an encounter. Nobody else knew. Only the Hansons presumably would have known. And they're Borgs the, now. For the brief seconds that they were had independent thought. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I guess Q didn't specifically say humanity hadn't met these guys before, did he? I mean, for all we know, the Hansons being captured are what tipped the Borgs off to the existence of the Federation. And we're like, probably. ooh. Oh, before you know, the neutral zone. Yeah, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This oh, okay. Def- okay. Because because I'm thinking that, you're, I'm thinking you're talking Q who. We're saying bef- the Hansons had to have been ad- abducted before the neutral, the neutral zone. zone. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. she's she was clearly like no older than ten, and she's clearly you know late twenties or thirties at this point. So yeah, well, yeah, and she said it was twenty years ago. She was yeah, twenty years. So. so there you go. So. Yeah, so presumably the Hansons got captured. The Borgs were like, hmm, these humans are sure are tasty. Let's go get some more of them. The Alpha Quadrant sounds nice. Let's check it out. Maybe they got some cool tech. Maybe some Iconian gateways we can get in on. I know you love that one, Jake. Nice Alpha Quadrant you got. Shame if something happened to it. Shame if it got Thanks again, Hansons, for, for sicking the Borgs on us. Fucking ugh. 
Yeah, I know we're going to get a, a deep dive into into their story later, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything on that ground. Yeah, but first, like, is there anything that the Hansons have done that is in any way positive? First, I'm they not gave us Umbop. God damn it! I was gonna make an Umbop joke, you Dude, motherfucker. Dude, Umbop was amazing. So That's true. Shut your mouth. That's true. I guess that is the one good thing that that Hanson the Hansons did. What are they up to these days? Yeah, we'll Still making music and touring. Are they sweet? I know there was like right wingers or something. Actually, I mean, it, it's been years, so they could be by now. But there was actually a period where they were opening for the Grateful Dead. I That's think, a combination. I I don't, is there any overlap between <sighs> the Grateful Dead and and? That's that's very strange. I might be wrong, but I, they were definitely opening for someone where I was like, "Really? That, okay." <laughs> hmm. I, I it also could have been a complete lie. I'll admit I never fact checked it. Why would anyway. you lie about what the Hansons are doing? So I was going to ask you guys where you fall on the on the debate between Janeway saying we should give this woman her humanity back and say, Seven saying, no, it's my right and I choose no. Because I think they did a good job kind of presenting both arguments equally. Yeah, I, I know we got into it a little bit last week, but like, it's hard because, you know, I think I presented previously like, you know, in a sense, this is like rescuing someone from a cult. Mm. But then the counterpoint that I think you, Ames, brought up, maybe it was Jake, it was last week, was like, you know, is there a difference between sort of like, she was raised by the Borg versus that Cardassian that was raised by mm. oh, the Bajorans or what's his name? Jonah. Uh, yeah. That was raised by, you know, and it's like. Oh, God, the Keening Whaling Child? Yeah. 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 That like, you know, we, we let the Keening Whaling Child stay with. His foster family, for lack of a better term. The Cardassian, I believe, was returned to his Cardassian family. Correct, yeah. So they kind of each took a different tack. But is it different in a case like this where they, like, could literally reprogram her thoughts? Like, not even, like, brainwashing or just cultural assimilation, but, like... Uh, the no Borg of the Federation. Uh, the Borg, in this case. <laughs> yeah, like, I think, I think it, the that, difference here... Yeah. Ahead, that kind of complicates it, because there is actually a technological component. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, in the case of the Borg, the Borgs are not people, right? They're not a society. They're not a civilization. They are... A virus. I, they are a virus. Yeah, I think... I don't think that there's any way that you could... Like, if you could exterminate all of the Borgs, I still stand by that that would be the right decision. Damn probably. it, Picard. Because, like, honestly... Every Borg that exists is a potential risk to every everything else. You know, they do not respect anybody else's sentience. They do not respect anybody else else's existence that's not their own. So, like, I don't know. I don't think I. It, I don't think it's like I. I choose to follow this culture, and I should have. I should have the autonomy to do that. This is well. I. I would prefer to be part of a genocidal race of maniacs right yeah and that's a choice that yeah no no you you, you can't you can't do that we're not going to let you like like your autonomy and your ability to choose your own destiny ends when your choice is i choose to go join the fucking genocidal race of maniacs and that's that's where we can draw the line i think it's kind of like uh the paradox of Intolerance, or whatever the hell it's called, there. What's the paradox? 
I forget the exact wording, but like the only way to a tolerance can survive is if you don't tolerate intolerant views. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, like in this case, it's like yes, you we're saying you're autonomous, but we're not going to let you choose to throw away that autonomy, <laughs> basically. Uh. Yeah, because the second we let you join the collective again, we're just gonna kill you because you can't. Like you're better. Everybody is better <laughs> off. You you like those are your choices. Either yeah. you leave the collective and and you know become a person. And if you want to go do some crazy shit, that's fine. You can you know you can still you still have your own autonomy. But if your choice is I'm gonna go choose to join the fucking Borgs, we're just gonna space you instead because. But they survive in space sometimes. No, no, her her lungs are decide. coming. Her lungs yeah. are coming back. <gasps> so. Gasp! If only Neelix had. Getting on that. <laughs> no, I'm, so, well, I'm glad I, you go do it. Uh, I was just going to say, like, well, I agree that those are really the only two choices. I also feel like instead, like Janeway is electing herself to be the expert on when Seven is ready to make a decision about whether or not she wants to keep her autonomy. Like Janeway is making herself like her power of eternity or, or whatever, her medical proxy to decide like how she's supposed to live. And she's deciding that she's going to be the one who says when she is, like, a full human or whatever. But at the same time, she's not taking into account, like, how traumatic taking someone out of, like, the only life they've really ever lived. Like, yeah, she was a kid, so she had some life. She doesn't remember it. And as much as being a Borg obviously equates her to whatever Nazis times infinity cubed is. Borg cubed. There you go. Nailed it. Thank you, Ames. It's still, like, all she knows and the pain of trying to get back, like, a life from, you know, what she has no basis mm. for life amongst humans. Like, I don't know. I just don't think they're 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 not really considering her best interests at all, in my opinion. I mean, I think really what it comes down to is Janeway's tough love dropping you in the deep end approach ain't it. <laughs> but this is an hour-long non generally non-serialized TV show, so they had to have it done within an episode. Yeah, and that I think is I think that's kind of a shame. You know, it's yeah. the same it's the same problem with Lacutus and Picard. Is yeah. that like realistically it should have taken more than an episode for Picard to recover. And oh no, like, come on, we see him have like one other time where it comes back to get him a season and a half later yeah, or whatever. And like they kind of revisit it more in in the movies and in in the Picard show. It's it's alluded to more. But basically you have family, right? Like that's the yeah. one episode where it's dealt with. Yeah. And it's kind of like this, right? Where it's like this should actually be a much longer road yeah. for Seven to go from there Where getting from is. there to here damn it no uh, but it should be and honestly janeway is not the person that should be no. her guide on this you know Who i is? know i know we don't really have we don't have a ship's, a ship's counselor, counselor. Yeah, <laughs> neelix is kind of no i'd give it to neelix neelix no, is he's even no training less he just right feed person. her some shitty food how's your morale and then she'd strangle him to death yeah, Actually, I mean, I like you that would plan. think that, Get like, the Neelix. doctor would be programmed with this type of stuff. Yeah, you'd think. But I guess they st <laughs> they began and ended with, like, medical, like, uh, you know, physical medicine and didn't bother not with... Uh... That's right. He can access uh, Dr. McCoy's psychological 
works and just offer him no actually go back even further to pike's original doctor and be like here do you want a drink oh dr this'll bartender this will help get rid of your problems mm. i say we do what bashir did no not even bashir bashir was actually trying to help feral molly that time mm. and o'brien and keiko decided to just leave her on a rock <laughs> Which yeah. is exactly what Seven wants. Yeah. Exactly. And that brings back to a point I wanted to make that was, I'm glad Chris brought up the whole that this feels like they're deprogramming a cult member because that was one of the elements that the writers were trying to like view her yeah. in. It's between that, the idea of her being kind of almost like a recovering drug addict, but uh, the okay. allegory that they tried to plant in their brains when trying to figure out how exactly to frame her character was to treat her kind of like a person raised by wolves. Hmm. So kind of like the, like the Molly thing in that they don't want her to seem like a victim. They don't want to seem her want her to seem more like someone regaining their humanity. See, but I feel like it is more like her being a victim. What they should really be thinking about is those people that had you know kidnapped that girl and kept her in a fucking shed for twenty years because that's what we're actually dealing hmm. with. She's had no socialization know anything like again yeah she's had some experience as a borg but as a human being she's still like a nine-year-old kid yeah in my opinion like in my opinion you know what i mean like that's i feel like where she should be mentally if she's been operating under well we, some we about, hive mind collection for the last however long we talked about that a little last week though it's like even though i mean there has still been intellectual development yeah, so but how it, much of that is really within her and not just... Well, yeah, but what I mean, though, is, like, she doesn't have to socially be like a kid. She can be socially weird and not know how to socialize. But why would she not be socially like a kid if everything is part of the collective and she suddenly because cut the, off the collective, from the collective. Is, is her society. She's actually probably, like, it's just a different type of, of social learning that she's learning how to be part of a collective. She's got that level of this is what my community is, whereas, you know, human beings, we're individuals in a in a community. Like, I don't know how to act around fucking people, but Seven definitely would because she can read those people. But I guess what I'm wondering is how much of that would she retain since she's cut off from the collective? Well, I mean, All they, of still it, have, I think. they still have stuff they retain locally, as to, as they mentioned in the next episode. There's still knowledge she has. Yeah, I don't think they've wiped her memory of her Borg experiences. She just isn't going to get any new stuff. I mean, honestly, I think the best choice would... I mean, I know we can't, we can't really go back. We can't turn the ship around especially back through Borg space. But the best thing would have been just to leave her with Chakotay's friends. The, oh, that's a good idea. That, oh, yeah, that, the other Borgs. Yeah, because they, they would have known, like, A, they would have been Borgy and could have done some collective stuff together with her. Yeah. And, and they like, also could the have, like, taught her people... how to be a person that's not part of the, the larger collective. Because as far as we know, like, they're literally the only people in the universe, maybe, who have the experience that she is going through. Well, but yeah. Which makes them a much better starting point for an expert on the fucking situation than fucking Janeway, who has declared it so. Well, except even those those folks, a lot of them, I feel like the implication was most of them had been, like, assimilated later in life. Yeah, and a lot, and the other thing about them was that a lot of them couldn't deal with not yeah. being Borgs. To yeah. the extent that, like... They had to reestablish a sort of collective among themselves. A farmer's market. Borg yeah. farmer's market. Delicious. So, yeah, the fact that, that she's just kind of on her own without any real mental health support other than Janeway yelling at her a lot. 
this is not a recipe for success, but nope. you know, because we're dealing with a 40 minute time limit here, you know, she has to get her shit together and be sexy by, uh, you know, by, by the fifth act. Oh, question. Did they, when they like zapped her, did they cook that thing that Chakotay had gotten from our old Borg friends or could he try to like brain up with her a little bit with that thing? Maybe. I don't think they that said ever. that it killed her transceiver. Okay, so, so his thing might still be out his there. His might still work, but hers causing trouble. Hers might definitely won't. Is that why they try to cook up a relationship between the two of them? I have no. got the, I had got the technology. Watching the show I mean, by that, that point. doesn't come until much, much, much later. Like that's like an episode or two in season seven, just to set up the finale. Yeah, it's funny you would have mentioned earlier, Ames. I did also get little hints of the like drug addict aspect. They didn't like to lean on it too much, but there were there were definitely hints of it. I feel like so that came through as well. Yeah, well, I, I think, I think I, like the outbursts of anger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like are are like that. I love when Jerry Ryan is just throwing herself at the Brig uh, force field because mm. I know she has basically said like the silliest and most uncomfortable scene to film is when you're jumping at the at the force field because there's nothing there. And you feel very silly because you're just doing a lot of qu- acting in scare quotes that they're going to fix with, you know, CGI and shit. But you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Oh, dear. No, I think so- I think Jerry Ryan does a- an awful lot with this character. She does. To like, because it is such a complicated character. Like, we can talk about theories of like what the fuck goes on in her brain for days. And I I bet you she's got some good thoughts, too. But I, I don't know. We should see if we- there's an article or something. Nah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's stuff out there. We would be remiss in not talking about seeing off Kess in a half-assed way. What? I mean, I think this is a better send-off than most characters. I love do. this send-off. I think this is perfectly fitting for her character. Oh, yeah, what no, no. What the I hell just... is wrong with you? No, no, I just mean it just happened so quickly. It does. Like, I do wish they'd built up, and I think some of that was because they had to scoot this episode earlier because of Jennifer oh, Lynn's schedule. Like, okay. this was supposed to be the fifth episode of the season, and they'd have All her right. for the previous episodes. Yeah, no, I, I should explain, yeah. I, I don't dislike the idea, but again, it just feels like in Scorpion, they're kind of like, oh, her mental powers are building. And I was like, oh, right, because eventually she, I, I thought it was going to be longer, and now they're just like, never mind, she's a Jedi now, and uh, she's the Traveler. It's like, wow, that that, that didn't, okay, that Jedi fast. Traveler. That's true. I do kind of wish that they teased it longer, but they never do that with, no, series, with uh, episodic television shows. No, I know. Yeah. It, and it's a shame. It really, it just gets to like, it's like, why didn't you do all this really interesting stuff with her brain powers back when she was a regular, not when she's on her way out the door? It's Yeah, it's. I, I just don't think they liked writing for the character, maybe, and they just didn't bother. You know, they had a I couple know. of episodes with brain powers. And then just kind of forgot about it and brought it back up in Scorpion when they're like, oh, yeah, remember, she's she's like psychic. And we haven't. Then, yeah. And, they, and Tuvok even says like, oh, yeah, we stopped doing your training because it got weird when you boiled my head. But hey, let's do the same <laughs> but, yeah. exercise again. Yeah. Why did he bring fire bring into fire. it? Tuvok, no. He's just a glutton for punishment. Start with pillows. Start with destabilizing pillows. Or like, you know. Give her a recording and then be in a completely different part of the ship. What, so she can burn the whole ship down while he's not there? Well, <laughs> he, you know, he could have put like a mannequin of himself there and he could have melt, she could have melted that head. You know, I do have to say, maybe it's just because she hasn't quite gotten her traveler powers straightened out yet, but only sending the ship 10,000 light years 
you know, the traveler was able to get the <laughs> Enterprise like to a bizarre realm of thought and space and bleh. and well, mothers pouring you tea and it's a good thing she you know didn't because how would they have gotten back from that she well what i'm saying there. is that i think the implication with the traveler is that like that just happens to be where they went but i think that he could have just as easily just sent them and elsewhere in the galaxy Oh, yeah, yeah. But again, like you said, I mean, Kess, she really doesn't know what she's doing yet. Yeah, she's they're not. lucky she didn't, like, blow them into the fucking nth dimension and meet up with uh, the devil from TAS. No, not mm. that lucky dick. she didn't literally boil all of their fucking heads. That's true. She did take a shuttle with her, though, that bitch. She also, uh, apparently when Tuvok lent her his meditation candle, he lent her his entire table for some reason. You notice it's that? A, it's a collective set. They go together. Yeah. I guess so. You didn't, you didn't have another table in storage you guys could have used? Because it, it's such a distinctive table, it stood out, you know? This glass thing with a fin looks like a weird surfboard. God. But yeah. I, I, you know, it's also a perfect send-off for the character because, like so many of the episodes that decide to focus on her in some capacity, you just realize, wow, you guys really didn't utilize her as well as you could have. Because when you do, it's interesting. Most of the time, Ugh, you know, it just again, I feel bad for the actress, for the character, for all of it, you know? Yeah, it's almost like her character almost belonged in a different show mm. because this show, like there's a, a this is the biggest, you know, set of main cast. So not like, you know, the recurring cast members that you see on other shows, but like the main main cast, the everyday cast that we've got in Star Trek so far. And all of them need to be getting attention. So, you know, every so often. Yeah. And her character has the most different kind of story that they kept forgetting because everybody else needs to also be getting attention, like a group of toddlers. Yeah, yeah, you know, I honestly would have rather spent time on her than, say, Paris Bellana. The relationship or each character? The relationship. Hmm. The relationship gets better. Does it? Yeah, I don't mind it. I like it. That's fair. I don't remember it well. I would mind it less, except that it's always happening at the most inappropriate fucking moments. That's true. Yeah. But that's next episode, and I'm not trying to segue yet, because we still haven't discussed uh, her scene with Neelix that we wanted to talk about. No, I am going to talk about it, because, you know, it is a very sweet scene. It was really sweet. I liked, like, Neelix says something that I think we've, we've kind of noticed glimpses of before when he talks to Tuvok, when Neelix says, like, man, I'm... Really happy for you. I'm glad that you're you know doing doing new things and enjoying your life. I was just holding you back, and you got you, you feel for the guy. And and Kes says no, no, like you were exactly what I needed at the time. You you and I were very nice together, and I'm glad we we're still friends and we still have this platonic love. And it was nice. It was good closure for them. If they hadn't had that scene in this episode, I would have thrown a fit. Yeah, mm. it was definitely necessary. Yeah, c considering the number of times like and they they cut the breakup scene. Yeah. They, what episode was it where we were like, they either cut or just never had a scene between him and her in the episode where he thought he was going to go off to die, mm -hmm. but we got that awful scene with Tom instead. <laughs> and it was like, really? This is this, again, like just not utilizing Kess properly. So yeah, it was nice to have something. And it is really sweet because you can tell that like, I don't know, he just really loved her and you could tell he was kind of like, it feels to me like he was definitely carrying a torch and maybe this was the official like you know it's time to let it go 
Uh, and then she's gone, so he really has no choice at that point. Yeah. I guess you can't keep carrying that torch now. Yeah, we don't but... really get to see his reaction to her going either, and I don't think it ever comes up again, which is, you know, disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they were a big part of each other's life, and now, nope, we've got a Borg lady now. We the only focus on her. Yeah, it is. it does suck. I guess it was, like, one of my favorite characters in this show, I feel like, honestly, so I'm sad to see her go. Yeah, I feel like most people, and I think we mentioned last week when we were talking about how this is one of the most rewatched episodes on Netflix, because when people start watching Voyager, they start at season four, mm. and they miss all of Cass, except yeah. this episode, uh, in which she's leaving, and it's a nice, it's a nice, you know, exit for Cass, but it means people don't think of Cass as a character a lot, even though I think she had so much potential. Yeah, yeah, that that's, you know, I think, you know, we know that, like, I think it's been reevaluated a lot since its initial release, but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of people down on Voyager when it first premiered because Trekkies are the worst <laughs> uh, and hate all new shows automatically. Every time. Every time a new show comes out, they're like, wait, you don't like this one. Yeah, it's exhausting. But um, I think, the impre- you know, like, I think I remember being pleasantly surprised by season one, thinking it was actually pretty solid. And then, you know, two was really good. I, I, I felt a little underwhelmed by the third that we just wrapped by and large, but I think... With Voyager, it's not, I think, that it's bad. It's just that there is so much, and Kesk encapsulates this, there's just so often a feeling of, mm, you know what I think it is? a little bit more. I think, because I was thinking about this when, when I was thinking of our, our uh, top and bottom three episodes last season. Yeah. And I think when you, if you ask somebody, what, do you, what is something you don't like about Voyager? Their answer is almost certainly going to be because it's not X. Because it's not like this, because it doesn't do this, because there's a big knot in your sentence because of something that it because of something that the show isn't instead of because of something that the, that the show does. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I think obviously one of the big issues was just that the one thing way too many people like every like almost every series since TNG ended, there's just that loud contingent of people that just want TNG again mm-hmm. uh, and they will not give up. But that's this- basically what we got. Like, that's I think that. That's the not is that Voyager is is just more TNG. It is not what its premise set it up to be. Mm. Well, yeah, they kind of tried to have it both ways and it therefore didn't work because like it's still not TNG, of course, because they're in the Delta Quadrant. Right, right. And yeah, we don't right, see like, any familiar things that we can yeah, jack it's, off it's to. TN, it's TNG with a new slate of villains. Yeah. And whereas like I think for me what it is not is is like you said, Jake, what it was set up to be. And the things that what's really depressing is we know that they wanted to pursue, but the people in charge, you know, got cold feet and were like, no, let's let's actually take everything that was gonna make this show you truly unique, interesting, and maybe really elevate it and just get rid of it or minimize it so much it's just not a factor. Exactly. Mm. Look, there was a comment I, I recently read in one of my books in which they wanted to do more Maquis stuff in the beginning, in the first season or so, and have there actually be a little bit of tension among yeah. cast members, among crew members, which is great, which people I, th- these days would love because it's what you expect out of a show. Yeah. There to be tension between your characters, you know, mm-hmm. pushing forward development like you do, like is in mm-hmm. fucking writing books. Yeah. But the executives basically said, no, we don't like that because when characters don't get along on Deep Space Nine, People don't like it, so make sure they get along right away. And that's why they dropped all the Maquis stuff. Because that worked so well in the first couple seasons of TNG when Gene was still alive. 
Oh, wait, those seasons are borderline unwatchable. Still spilling tea on TNG. Just just the Gene Roddenberry seasons. They were so, so bad. <laughs> With a couple of individual episode exceptions, they are... Like, people tell you those seasons aren't very good. They do not tell you how bad they are. Like, That's Voyagers... most of them have a, a nostalgia for true. them that we didn't have. Like, Voyager season one? Way better than season one of TNG. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think some people would call that blasphemy, but those people are idiots. I think most mm. people kind of say season one TNG you can skip. Yeah, yeah. See, I, people used to just say you got to get through it. But again, I think it's borderline unwatchable. Most of it. Is Measure of Man in season one? Because that episode's good. Nope, that's two. Okay. I think um, maybe you should watch, what's the one with the Traveler in it that Jake likes? Where no one has gone before. Yeah, where no one has gone before. Is that season one? That's season one. Okay, yeah, that's a good... Like I said, there's a couple of decent season one episodes. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of it... What are you talking about? Code of Honor? Angel Uh, One. Angel One, yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Anyway, Voyager. Voyager. What's what's that other one? Justice? Is it called Justice, that episode? Oh, man, yeah, Justice. What's that? Steps on some flower beds and they have to kill him? That one is at least, like, kind of funny bad. Um... Yeah, yeah, and it's got Sex Planet, so yeah, but uh, Sex Planet. I do like a Sex Planet. But yeah, yeah, Voyager. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I noticed uh, Ayala got to say something this episode, which was nice. Good for him. He's been around for a while and yeah. never, never speaks, but uh, he got to say a line or two. I think. Good job, buddy. Who's Ayala again? He's the perennial extra in that's on like. I don't know if he's in every episode, but he's in most episodes. And oh, he's, he's the like, Leslie. What's his name from he's TOS? A Leslie. That's it, he's the Leslie. Leslie of Voyager. Okay, uh, but he was the he was the brig guard. Oh, okay, episode. okay. Oh God! Speaking of yellow shirts, though, one thing that was just so stupid in this one when Seven punches Harry, oh, yeah. and he domino <laughs> he effects thirty feet yes. and hits the other guy and apparently like hits him hard enough that he can't get up before Seven closes the door and erects a force field. It's like <laughs> really? How about just not have him there at all instead of this three stooges nonsense? Yeah. That was that was one thing. I was just like, yeah, this did not just ha- this just happened. Wow. That's Aside how that. that's how much Harry wanted to be her friend and how much she said not fucking interested, buddy. Actually, t- to his credit, I feel like, you know, when Blonde was like, go with him, he definitely made a face of like, you're going to send me, oh. the guy with the worst luck in this series, with the crazy half. Bo- great. Fucking great. Thanks, Balana. Speaking I of Balana. I finally got over my last concussion. What the fuck? <laughs> Let's talk more about Balana in the next episode. Oh, no. Because I actually really, li- I've started really liking Balana. I forgot how interesting her character can be when she's like fighting with herself. That's a good time. And we're going to see a lot of that in Day of Honor. Mm. So here it is. It's the Day of Honor. Said the title. Good job. Uh, It's this (laughs) Klingon holiday in which people count all the honorable things they did this year. Like Klingon Yom Kippur. We said the same thing. (laughs) Except that when she gets into the holodeck, they do some kind of weird Klingon Eucharist, which really fucking confuses everything. Yeah. Yes, anyway, eat, sorry, eat this heart of Targ, have an entire blood pie. That was a lot of pie, Balana. Man. Bro, it looked like it looked like it was made of like actually like sweet potatoes or I squash. Said rice. I thought it was like rice. Oh, I thought it looked like it was a squishy, gordy, yammy. That situation. makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, so she's doing Klingon stuff, even though she's not, never been a fan of doing Klingon stuff because she's got mom issues. Go fig. So he, she's having none of this, and because Janeway wants her and seven 
to rig up the transwarp tech like the Borg do in a hope to get home, this is going to go very well. What is this? The Excelsior? <laughs> a. Ayo. No, no, the Excelsior A is in Picard. Uh, we're having a funny day. So meanwhile, this group called the Katat Katati Katati. I don't remember how it's how it's said. Neither the do I. Bitches is what yeah, a bunch called. of bitches. They show up with their sob story about being refugees decimated by the Borg. Boo hoo! Uh, and could you spare like all of your supplies for us, please? And also, kill that Borg on your bridge, because fuck her. And Janeway says, yeah, guys, here's five bucks. Go see a Star War. <laughs> <laughs> Anyang. So, yes, I know your name is Anyang. <laughs> yes, oh, I love that show. Uh, so the transwarp experiment is going poorly. Who's surprised? And Taurus needs to eject the warp core like a failure. Can this day get any worse? And you know Thanks, when Tom. she says that, it's like, wow, you're tempting the writers, well, the aren't you? The day is about to get so oh, much it, worse. It's Tom that says it no less. Oh, man, not even Tom. Bad Tom man. is the one that jinxed it. So Taurus and Paris now, to go, now need to go get the warp core that they ejected into space, fix it easily, question marks, and tow it back. But the Katati and their desperation to see another Star War... <laughs> they've beaten them to it and, and they blow up their shuttle rest in peace the Cochrane. damn luckily Paris and Torres have gotten out in EVA suits and they're leaking all oxygen just all over the fucking place uh, and they the won't fucking shut up and conserve it <laughs> they insist on continuing <laughs> to talk talk fucking talk the Katati ransom the warp core back to the Voyager and Seven thinks outside the board cube to save the day ha <laughs> ha uh, Balada, who is about 10 existential crises deep at this point and about to die like woe, admits her love for Tom and unspoken hatred of Vorik, just as the Voyager rescues them, the end. Mm. I mean, it's one warp core, Michael. How much could it cost? $10? <laughs> uh, can we just do the Arrested Development Star Trek spinoff? <laughs> Uh, so I've I'd only actually on seen just enough of that show to get the references you have made. You're now going to start ex as kind of pushing up against the limits of my arch development knowledge. Mm. Chris, don't worry. There's there's always money at the... Banana stand, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that one, too. Well, I was trying to think of something to say instead of banana stand, but yes. Oh, uh, oh the jump stick, stick stand. stand. There you go. Nailed it. See? You're all set. And if you were Janeway, you would declare yourself a fucking expert on this topic, and we'd be good to go. So, you know what the f most fucked up thing about this episode is? That uh, Bellana has been forced to continue to work closely with her rapist. Forrick? Seriously. Like, how is he still working in engineering? Or at least on the same shift as her, you know? Yeah, like, it's like... Now, put him, like, make him... You remember the people in TNG that had to work inside the nacelle? <laughs> That's where Vorik should be working. I think we should just fucking give him the old Finny fin treatment. Yes, yes. Yeah, put him in the Finny, Finny too. that guy. Bye. But the fact that, like, they have to work closely together, and they seem to be working okay together, which it's just like, mm, mm -mm. this psychologically can't be good. Because no. no one's therapizing them, except maybe God, no. Neelix. <laughs> no, you like... know what? Janeway took care of that, too. Don't worry about yeah, it. She just yelled at both of them. <laughs> yeah. She... No, you know what it is? I, oh, I'm God. willing to bet if this show decided to have a ship's counselor, it would be like, 
a fucking holodeck program of Freud. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. No. So I feel like this episode, like, should have focused more on Balana. I agree, because that was the that was the plot that I followed out of, I think, three plots that did dovetail. But there was a lot going on. Yeah, like based on the title, you would think it's mostly about her and her crisis. But really, it's. It feels very unfocused. It all sort of comes together at the end, but it's like, this was supposed to be about Balana, and it only sort of is. Yeah, because it, it's based off of, there's a whole novel series called, the it's the Day of Honor miniseries, oh. where they got this idea and basically, like, you know, made some of the stuff from this novel series canon that, you know, this is what Klingons do every year on Yom Kippur. They get the pain sticks, which are back with a vengeance. Jesus Christ, Klingons. Not so many. Like 21, did they say? K-less. K-less Klingons. <laughs> yeah, like 20 pain stick jabs. Mean. K-less Christ. But also, I, yeah, I was very confused. Like, you know, now you've described this, I don't think I'm into it. But then she apparently helped make the program. So how did she not know what was coming? I wonder if it's like, if it's almost like um, if you do like confession in church and then they say, okay, based on how many terrible things you did, uh, uh, this many Hail Marys and this many Our Fathers and go do a nice thing for an old lady, maybe help her with her groceries. Jesus, kid, be nice. Uh, maybe that's where the, this is how many pain stick jabs you get came from. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no one no one told Bilana life was going to be that way. Her job's a joke. Her sonic shower broke. Her love life's DOA. Like you're always stuck in warp 2. Okay, I, I, I know <laughs> I, I should know. be That's getting good, this. Jake. That's good. What what is that? It's It's the Friends theme. It's the Friends, ah, the thank Friends you. song. I was, I, was like, I was trying to think of more Star Trek-y things, but I couldn't. So it's Arrested Development and Friends. What other shows can we jam in here? Where's Seinfeld when you need him? Oh, uh, uh, wait, shit. Anson Williams directed one of these again, so happy days. Oh, there you go. Was it this one or the previous one? I don't remember, but it was one of them. I thought it was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, this one was directed by somebody I didn't recognize the name. Oh, I would like to call out Tuvok for being a fucking idiot in this episode. Tell me more. Great tell. What species is she? Oh, uh, well, guy who was traumatized by the Borg, she's an ex-Borg. You didn't have to say that, Tuvok. Yeah, you could have been like, she's a bionically enhanced human. That's true, that's exactly what she is. Yeah, Yeah. you wouldn't be lying. It's like, what, what, why, Tuvok? What, what the fuck? Well, to move along the plot, clearly. I know, but like, Jesus, of all the characters to give the idiot ball to... Like, fucking find an excuse for Neelix to be the one to say it. Yeah. Yeah, Neelix would be like, oh, so I hear your species was wiped out by the Borg. Well, we happen to have a Borg right here. You guys should catch up. (laughs) Well, you can even frame it as him trying and kind of fucking up. Well, you know, Seven here is a Borg and she's all right, right, Seven? Yeah, Yeah, like something like that even. But just Tuvok would not just do that. Because he's not usually a fucking idiot. I don't know. Vulcans are weird. That's true. It is logical Mm. to tell people when they ask questions what the answer is. Tuvok, what are you doing? Tuvok, you know how it is. Vulcans can't lie. Oh, God. And Balana being shitty at her. Like, you know, she didn't personally assimilate all those races and also kind of really didn't have a choice. You get how that works? You understand the board? Balana is a blunt tool. 
I know. And she's in a, a mood today, apparently. Yeah, and that's why I kind of liked what Roxanne with Dawson was giving us this episode, because she had a lot of layers of stuff going on. Yeah. Like peeling an onion. Mmm, delicious. Or whatever the doctor said. And Yeah. 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 Again, yeah. they should have just focused on her more, and also maybe given her more, like, because that was another thing, was like when Tom comes in, it's like, ah, you've been in a, you've been all like a cobra all day, and it's like, I have definitely seen episodes where she's in a worse mood. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, but maybe she's not always in a worse mood directly at him. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Paris is very self-concerned. True. That is true. Yeah, unlike that. Robbie Duncan McNeil, who apparently is is just a fucking sweetheart, because, and I didn't realize that this happened this early, so Roxanne is pregnant during the time of filming this episode. Oh, we're going to see the silly coat soon. Yeah, so right now she's pretty early, and most people didn't know yet. But Robbie knew, you know, as her scene partner, he knew. And, you know, the whole time she's having, like, her character's supposed to be having a really rough day. She's also having a really rough day because she's preggers. And Robbie basically, like, took it upon himself to, like, make sure that they took a lot of breaks, like, way more breaks than they've ever taken, to the fact that, you know, other people in the crew were like, why are we taking so many breaks? Robbie says, we're taking a break right now! They're like, what, is Robbie fucking pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> what are you on, your fucking period? Uh, and I mean, the regular costumes are probably hot enough, and then they had to be in those fucking fishbowls for God knows how much filming. Oh, a ton. I t I'm sure it was an absolute lot. Probably they still were... smelled like Patrick Stewart in there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Were those the leftover costumes from First Contact? They were indeed from First Contact. And they put them on this sort of little seesaw so that when they filmed them against the backdrop or the uh, the green screen, they would look like they were weightless. Mm. I, know, I think those are my favorite scenes. I think the scenes in the EVA suits really sold this episode for me and why I kind of like this episode, just because watching watching them slowly depriving themselves of oxygen and having this very sweet heart-to-heart. -heart and, and not shutting up when they should be trying to conserve oxygen. What else are they going to do? And Bellana basically saying, like, I'm having the most honorless fucking day, and you'd think I wouldn't care about that because I don't understand my my role as a Klingon, yeah. but I kind of wanted some honor, and it's very good. It's great work by, by Dawson, and I, I yeah. applaud her for it. It's funny. I had horribly misremembered this, which, not a surprise. I haven't seen most of it in however long. And I definitely remembered that as being, like, a whole episode, basically. I think I did, too. That they'd be in just, space the whole time. Yeah, like, they would spend most of the episode just floating in space, kind of having a having a gravity together or whatever. Having a gravity together. Um, Is there an like Enterprise when they're in EVA suits in space for an extended period? <sighs> I might be mistaking it for something there. Maybe? Shrug. I don't know, just the visual of the space snuggling of just, just looking so fucking helpless. Yeah. Like, you're in the, you're light years away from anything, and the only person you have is right here, so tug on your little tube to get closer and hug. Mm. They're cute. Yeah, I liked it. Tug on your little tube. Names. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think I will like them together. I just think that this was a little silly. But. Like, this mostly worked out but i think like you said a lot of the a lot of the relationship building in previous episodes was always just like you doing this now yeah uh, so it's like like here it kind of makes sense you think well we if you thought you were gonna die yeah yeah like here it's like yeah we think we might die let's just cards on the table might die i mean they were they, they were they on their like, last breaths yeah <laughs> they, they literally had 
10 seconds before death. That's true. <laughs> like, they, they barely they, made it. They, they were, probably felt with some certainty that they were going to die. They they don't know they have plot immunity. <laughs> Phew. But yeah, overall, the stuff they did with her was good. Again, I just kind of wish there'd been more of it. I agree. I could always it, do, do more of it. Because we've seen a, a lot of good Taurus stuff in the yeah. past. I keep yeah, forgetting, but, like, like oh yeah, I like Taurus. Because you don't see a ton of her do stuff. But when you do, it's good. It's like Kess. Yeah. 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 It's just like, this one just kind of, it felt like it sort of lacked focus. They wanted to do some, we're still introducing the new character stuff, but we also yep. want to develop this stuff. And it's like, maybe these should have been two different episodes instead of the same episode or mm. something. Nah. They didn't do a ton of Seven of Nine stuff. No, no, but between that and the like dinosaur people thing yeah, and all that, true. it just sort of, it, it felt like it was... Maybe all of that, those two plots should have been condensed more since they were the most closely related until the very end when it all sort of came together. But like, you know, just a little more focus on her stuff since, again, that felt like that was kind of supposed to be the main thrust and it wasn't <laughs> quite. Yeah. Oh, the scene tiny, though. Tiny, tiny with... tube. <laughs> <laughs> the scene with Neelix was good. Oh, yeah, I like that too. Too, although I, I it was funny because when he was like, let me be a, a steam valve, not steam valve, what did he say? A release valve. A release valve. And I paused it and said, yeah, you know, just insult me and, and, and maybe step on me and spit on me a little. And then I hit play and he goes, you know, insult me. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Where's this going? But, you know, that, that was, you know, it was, it, it was a very Neelix sort of thing to offer, though. And uh, I like her reaction to it just being like, not being like, that's kind of weird. And just being like, that, thank you. That was nice. I will try your pie that looks like a big bowl of god knows what with clamshells sticking out. Weird. Because yeah. of course, the Klingons had to make a pie pointy. And after she eats that whole pie, she goes into the holodeck and they give her a targ heart. She's like, I'm full from pie! I've eaten so much pie! It's I only... should have shared! Why didn't I share? A Klingon does not share. Sharing <laughs> is without honor. <laughs> My best Michael Dorn impression. No, it was without honor was having dessert before she had her targ and blood drink. <laughs> no, I think I think Klingons know that life is short and they could die in honor at any minute. Eating dessert first is honorable. There it is. Yeah, that makes a weird sort of sense. So Just what kidding. exactly? Fucking, fucking Klingons don't eat dessert. They don't have nice things. <laughs> well, yes. the Klingon version of dessert. Cheese yeah. pie also made from blood. Ugh. What's wrong with you people? So what exactly is this episode saying about refugees? Right? That made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I kept kind of expecting it to be revealed that they were charlatans. Yeah. Like the packleds? Yeah, that they were like, that like it was just like a sob story and they just liked going around the galaxy ripping people off. But instead they're just jerks. Yeah, they're just refugees. Like, so like in a sense you can't really blame them for acting yeah the every, they everything they do is literally out of desperation but it's, yeah, but it's like it's well, such a tough thing to to portray in this episode when you're also saying no you can't have any more please leave now yeah like and I, it makes sense like you you know you're you're coming to us hat in hand and the problem is we're sort of similarly like without anything and yeah, that's why again maybe that whole plot would have benefited from being its own episode you could have given yeah. it the more nuance and the better treatment it needed. Whereas instead it just sort of became this weird, like, 
you know, it, it made it just feel sort of anti-refugee, which I don't think technically was its intent, but that's because mm. you turn them sort of into the antagonist. So, exactly, yeah. You know, it, it lacked the subtlety. Again, it lacked the time it needed to When breathe. did this happen? Like, what year did this episode come out? 97. 90s. Okay, so we're like pre-9-11 by a yeah. bit. I gonna say, because if this was post-9-11, I would say that, you know, its message is... You can't trust refugees. They're just going to come over here and steal all your shit. And that would have definitely been the patriotic take they were trying to make on it, you know? But, and that's definitely how it felt, but I'm sure it isn't what they were going for. Right, yeah. not. Yeah, no, it just, again, I think it was not well thought through. Because, yeah, I definitely was like, ooh, wow, this, uh, this took a turn that is making me kind of go, ugh. Yep, we've yeah. uh, we've stolen your warp core. We've blown up your ship. We didn't know you were going to escape. We assumed we killed some of you. Katati, stop it! Yeah, it's always ni- nice and surprising when the warp core ejection system actually works. Was this the first we've seen the warp core so. eject? Well, it looked no, cool. We, so we've seen. Well, so it, it was ejected in Cathexis, but that was not during an emergency. That was just for fun. That was because Bolana had a alien influencing her. Oh, okay. Um, oh, or was that Nancy or, or was it Chakotay? It might have been Chakotay. Oh, that's right. Stuff. It was. Yeah, it has, was. It was Chakotay as the as the. Uh, yes, you're right. Not the alien. Now um, Torres must have the eject code because she couldn't do it on her own before. Yeah, well, I guess like if it's an emergency, maybe the security, like if the warp core is about to breach, maybe the security for the ejection system gets relaxed. Yeah, that would make sense. And the E, they ejected the E, e. Uh, warp core in um, insurrection. But um, oh yeah, they did. But that might not have happened yet, though. No, I don't think so. I think this, like, chronologically, I think this is chronologically the first time there was an emergency and we ejected the warp core to avert disaster and it worked. Because <laughs> usually the ejection system is offline. Or it's turned off at the absolute last second because, oh, wait, everything's fine now. We did the Geordi roll that made it okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no Geordi roll, though, here. No, they just hide, they just hid on the other side of a wall. Yeah, just let's, let's go out, let's go out this door. Think, I don't think they even closed the door. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it's more advanced systems on this ship, so don't have to. I, I got Maybe. Yeah. Warp core is behind a force field. The, the whole thing is sealed off when it goes outside. Clearly, the problem with this transwarp experiment was that nobody had a fancy baton. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that keeps the tachyon stable. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of the kind of I don't want to say confrontation, but it wasn't really confrontational. It was more like getting information between Janeway and Seven about okay, we're gathering information about why the warp core did that. What do you know, Seven? She's like, you think I did this, don't you? Janeway says, you're not wrong, but I'll get. I trust you within an arm's length. So please tell me it wasn't I, me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's well. It's like it's like the um. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Eddington Warwick. problem. It's oh, like you've yeah. already been. You've already sabotaged us several times. So yeah, I am gonna look at you a little bit closer as we. You know, and of course, you know, once it became out that it was actually uh, just a freak accident. Okay. I still blame Vorik, that dick. Yeah, it was clearly Vorik's fault. There, there was still an appreciable tone shift in that scene, though, after Seven was like, I, I don't really know how to lie. 
And yeah, they'd be able to read my mind and know I was lying. So why lie? Yeah, I'm better. At, I'm better at not lying than Vulcans. Yeah, because like she even said in the previous episode, it's like I didn't lie to you. I was gonna help, and then I saw a chance and took it. Um, Scorpion. But also, she was still kind of, I think, you know, half Borgy at the time, whereas now she is less Borgy. And even if she's not super sure about where she is, she's maybe already like, yeah, maybe I don't want to go back right now, kind of thing. Um, These humans keep promising me blood pie. Yes. But Bellata uh, ate it all, so they, what do I do now? <laughs> I have been introduced by the humans to something called chocolate. <laughs> oh. She becomes the new counselor, Troy. Thank God that didn't happen. Yet. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, she still gets all of her nutrients from her Borg recharge station. Yeah. 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 She's like an electric vehicle. Mm. <laughs> which probably means that she hasn't pooped yet, which... <laughs> like, That's going to be a tough the, day. The first time that happens, she's going to be very upset. Her <laughs> she's going to want to rejoin the collective. And plus, the worst part is she doesn't know how to use the three seashells. Uh, right. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of electric vehicles, this was our sixth shuttlecraft lost now. <laughs> yeah, and I man. and I love it because some of the writers they they all have different stories. One of them says like, "Oh yeah, we've been uh they, they've been replicating new shuttlecrafts. That's why there's lots more." Yep, that's totally why. Oh, we have all the different Maquis members. They're down there building more whenever we lose one. It it all works out. I Wink. Mean, that's, that's believable. I mean, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you have the ability to replicate uh new ships that's true i mean grant whenever they're on replicator rations you think they wouldn't but yeah that changes week by week yeah but yeah having a little shuttlecraft factory seems like a good idea and also a torpedo factory yeah you know, well, I know are, these are consumables candy I don't know factory if it's ever said in the show but at least some of the conceit too is that the uh the arrow shuttle was uh gutted for parts at some point the witch witch so if you look at the underside of the saucer, oh yeah, there's I that have seen this thing. very distinct sort of shape, and that was supposed to be something called the Arrow Shuttle, which like was kind of like the captain's yacht from the Enterprise D that we never saw and eventually see in Insurrection. But yeah, it was like this little independent ship, you know, probably a little bigger and more dynamic than a regular shuttle, but it never got used in the show. And again, the sort of the the explanation was like, yeah, no, they they. Gutted it for parts at some point. Mm, yeah. Speaking of gutting ships for, for for parts, I'm going to start moving us on to our blogtivity for the week. I'm mm -hmm. going to emphatically end up regretting this because this is going to be a cup a, a couple of tough weeks of a uh, blogtivity because we're talking ships now. Can talking I talking mad ship? Go ship yourself. Do it. So I'm going to go in order of when they appear first in the shows. I know I just got a whole bunch of um, the Star Trek Shipyards books, and they try to go in chronological order in World, which gets very confusing. I do not doubt it. And there's a ton of ships, so we're only going to try to focus on the ones that we actually see a lot of, instead of looking at every piece of wreckage in the fucking universe. <laughs> so all the Wolf 359 ships pretty much no. are not there. No more of those. <laughs> we, ne we never saw them. I think um, Eagle Moss just needed toys to sell, so they built more. Pretty much. So I've got a little Enterprise here to play with. I'm going to share screen and you guys can watch the slideshow, but I'm going to play with a toy. Fun. So here's the slideshow. We're going to start where we where one would expect to start, which is the USS Enterprise. No A, B, or bloody other fucking letters. <clears throat> Just con normal Constitution class that you see in the, uh, the original series. 
could someone, because I know the the, the toughest thing about doing a, a discussion of ships is going to be that y'all are listening to this as a podcast and all the pictures are up on our Tumblr. So you can either look at the pictures on the Tumblr or one of us can be very kind and give you a very, very quick rundown on, on what ship, what ship the ship looks like. What you think about when you think about a Star Trek, the, the Enterprise, it's uh, a saucer, two nacelles, and the saucer and the nacelles connect to sort of like a cylinder beneath them. And this one has the spinny bits. In I the do like Bussard the spinny collectors. bits. I think that's my favorite element of the, of the old Constitution class, is the kind of little kaleidoscopy things inside the Bussard collectors, because I think they're really cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun effect. The Pike one doesn't have it. The Pike one looks just like red with some glowy shit. No, it's not got the spinny bits. It's spinny bits. Does it have spinny yeah. bits? Yeah, I thought it did, but the thing is, they're doing it with uh, CG now. Oh, and, uh, yeah. It, 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 I may have brought this up once before, but when they were remaking the model for the Smithsonian, they realized the best way to get the effect is to just actually have a physical thing in there spinning i mean that's <laughs> how the that's how the that's how it always was right like it was yeah in the 60s yeah but when they were restoring the model they were going to try to do like a different like sort of a digital effect mm. and they played with it a bit and they were just like no no it's got to be a motorized what's it yeah one of the things i like about this uh this ship too is is it's very utilitarian and mm-hmm. like there's like there's certainly aspects of it which I think are silly, like the neck, like just having a very thin neck. Yeah, yeah. just seems like a liability. Yeah, um, I think the little little because the little perpendicular bits that connect to the nacelles, they look like they're just gonna snap if you look oh, yeah. at them funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't do put like, them at ninety degrees, guys. Don't do that. And you know, because I I've, I've built models or a model of this ship before. And, oh yeah, you made made a nice one. And uh, you know, one of the things that was fun about it is like. It's got some wear and tear. Like you can kind of see it in the photographs that we're looking at, but on the top of the saucer section, there's like a ring of rust around, you know, that's just like like yeah, it's been in space. It's been it's got some abuse. Um so yeah, there like the, the there's some there's some patina. Yeah. Uh so they were really um you know, I like that that when they built this ship on rock and roll. On rock and roll, <laughs> you know, they 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 included it. They included some of that um to make it Look, I mean, of course, it didn't show up well in the 60s on TV. Like, I'm sure no one watching TV was like, hey, there's a little bit of dirt there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's, um, uh, you know, Star Trek ships sort of, all these Federation ones end up with this reputation of just looking very clean. Right. No, this was a working ship. Yeah. Yeah, I also credit, because I know, like, they went through so many different prototype, like, uh, mm-hmm. sketches and stuff of, you want this thing to be iconic looking, but you also want it to be easy for, a, like, a toddler who likes the show to draw it. And circle with a couple little cigars, fucking done. You can do it, and you'll know exactly what ship it is, because nothing else looks like it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't draw this. You can do it, Caitlin. or as an adult. I trust you. I think we should have a, uh, a, a, a challenge <laughs> at the end of our ship. Like, we'll have a special episode or something where we all have to try to draw the myriad ships. Oh, and we gosh. only have, like, a minute to do it. So it has to be as, uh... Can we use the slides, or is this from memory? Uh, I don't know yet. I've just, I have literally just conceived of this okay. idea, so I don't know yet. Cool, cool, cool. Well, this one's very classic. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and aside from like the 90 degree struts, I think it's uh, it's a nice ship. Yep. We're going to move it forward, though, because we're we've been talking for a while. We've got a bunch of ships I want to talk to today. Uh, let's move over to the refit just so I can see them back to back pretty easily so you can see what's different in the refit. Someone give us a quick rundown of what is different between the uh, the Constitution class and the Constitution class refit. The defector, deflector is blue instead of red. Well, it's also uh, it's like a panel instead of a satellite. Yeah, like a yeah. I like yeah. that. It's also got the swooped back nacelles. Yep. Yeah, those They're, are so pretty. And the, and the nacelles themselves are like big fucking Cadillac tail taillights. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss the spinny spinny, but these do look real pretty. They do. And they've got the uh, the chunky like neck piece that has the torpedo launcher in it now. Oh, yeah. Is that what this little black area here is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can kind of see right it Right above the dish. I, w- I was never able to confirm, but I remember seeing uh, concept art for the motion picture where it looked like the idea maybe was that when the ship went to warp, there was actually going to be like visible energy of some kind that went between the nacelles in that like sort of weird vent looking area. Hmm. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but that's certainly what the drawing made it look like, but it didn't go into more detail and I've never been able to find out exactly what it was. Hmm. But that might've been part of the reason for the redesign there with the, the sort of, like you said, Jake, the like tail light kind of look. Mm. Yeah. And like the thing about this, like this is my favorite of the enterprise designs. Is it? Yeah. I like that. That's no longer 90, 90 degrees little connecty bits. Yeah. They actually look like you're you're in a position where you could move the ship without it falling the fuck apart. It looks sturdier. Think, yeah, and I, I don't know, I, I've always liked this ship. It's always my favorite. I always thought it was kind of strange, though, that, you know, it's a refit, you know, that they just, you know, the, the implication is that they just, you know, spruced up <laughs> the original ship. Instead of but, replacing literally every single part. I mean, but that's basically what this is, too, because if you look at, like, a, a size comparison, this is a larger ship as well. Not like, by they, much. Yeah, but it, it is larger. The saucer is larger. The saucer is larger, that's true. You know, they could have just said, yeah, no, this is a new ship. This is a this is the new Enterprise. But then it, nerds would wonder where the old one went. They say it was it was retired after. It's a museum now. You know, like after, Battlestar Galactica. After the five year mission, it was decommissioned, and they gave us a new one. Yeah, well, they even you know in the motion picture, like Kirk even gets lost in it. They've changed it so much. Mm-hmm. Like it basically is a new ship. It's that fucking ship of Theseus nonsense all over again. Mm-hmm, yep, yep. The nacelles look like vapes now. Like what? <laughs> like vapes. They look like mm. like a jewel vape or something. I suppose so. But uh, yeah, and I the, like the, and ship, the smoke it... or whatever that they make us did. Well, they don't. I've never seen it make smoke. But let's say that they did. It smells like watermelon. Right. Yum. New for summer. So this is this is Jake's favorite. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some other ships. I have another one from TOS because TOS you actually <laughs> don't see a lot of ships. No. But let's talk true. at least about Botany Bay because it is a ship that we see that Earth. came from Earth. It looks yeah. like a Dilophosaurus. <laughs> it does. It looks, it's I got mean, the frill. It's gonna spit. It looks like a submarine. It yeah. It yeah. does. Yeah. It looks like a submarine dressed as a Dilophosaurus. Yes. It yeah. Looks I like, like that a- they kind of made it look like. This is the technology that would have been so much earlier because yeah. it's it's only meant to be practical. 
And it looks kind of like a piece of junk because it's centuries old. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like shit. It's a rusted out motherfucker. But yeah, it, it must looks... have been must have been made by uh, Mitsubishi. But yeah, it has like at its core is very much a rocket ship, you know, yep. which you know it feels older and earlier. So you know that's pretty good. And yeah, there's definitely some submarine elements. Yeah, it has one function. To go in space. It doesn't even have to go anywhere in particular. It doesn't even have to dock with anything. It just has to go away. And that's all we care about. So as long as it's got like one little rocket and a place for to put all the pods, it's all we need out of this ship. Yep. Also, your life support is failing. Whoops. Sorry, guys. Womp womp. I mean, it lasted a few hundred years, so. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it and, definitely. And only three quarters of Khan's people died. Yeah, well, the, the important one survived. Yachim. Especially yeah. if you ask Khan. Oh, right, Khan. Yeah, but I like the shape of this thing. I like that they made this little kind of, like like Caitlin said, like a Dilophosaurus frill. Yeah. Where the pods are. Like, that's cool, and it it looks distinct, and it looks kind of fun. Yep. I like it. So good times. Let's move on to the other Khan-related ship, a Miranda-class ship, the Reliant. Uh, now, we see a bunch of Miranda-class ships, so I have a, a bunch of different pictures online. The major difference is some of them have the roll bar on top, some of them don't have the roll bar on top. Yep. Well, the ones that don't have the roll bar look like they also have, like, cannons on the side. Or they might one... be cannons, they might be sensor things. Yeah, they're, they're, I think I've seen those listed as, like, special... Yeah, generally the Miranda-class is, is... I don't know how canonical this is considered, but it's often, like, listed as, like, a... Oh, gosh, what's the word? We can make uh, quick and easy ATV. swaps of... No, oh, we, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was like the idea behind the runabout, but they never explored it in the show either. Mm. Just the idea of, like, you can very easily swap out components for different things, but by and large, it was always sort of a science-forward vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think, because, you know, it's got the normal circle disc, which we like. Yep, yep. Uh, it's got well, like, two little little legs where the 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 cells attach to the little legs and they look kind of like you know how you can make a little origami frog <laughs> and then if you put if you touch the, if you push down on the little back of the origami it'll frog it'll it'll hop it looks that's, like that <laughs> that's amazing i like that yeah 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 and i'm i'm a i'm a sucker for a uh no engineering section ship get a special fondness for those yeah mm-hmm. it seems like you could just crank these things out yeah and of course yeah, they're, originally they're, they're much smaller too than, yeah. than like a constitution ship and of course, originally it was designed with the nacelles over the saucer. Looks much better with them underneath. Yeah, I'm sure um, there's other ships that do the nacelles over when they kit bashed something for some reason. Oh, I'm sure. So many of them look very silly. But yeah, it was originally designed that way. And, and the, the story, God knows if it's true or not, though, is that when Gene Roddenberry approved it, he was looking at the blueprints upside down. <laughs> that's pretty good and so they changed it to have it that way again oh, i don't know God. if that's true that feels very much like something somebody made up like that what happened was someone looked at it and said try it underneath and they were like oh that looks better uh, but of course because they need money eagle moss will sell you a uh an upside down miranda Mar- yeah miranda that's class funny. oh I'm, oh yeah i'm glad for them that they have like Discovery and Picard now to make new models of things so they can stop pretending to ha- make other toys. Seriously. Yeah, well, that's Miranda class. That's Khan's ship that he can't figure out how to go in 3D space in. Mm-hmm. It's all a good time. Oh, you'll also notice because, you know, whatever of these I have up on the Tumblr, 
I've, I've stolen, or not stolen, I've borrowed and I'm crediting very copiously as much as I can on the Tumblr where I found these pictures. But wherever I couldn't find a good angle of, uh, of one of these ships and I had one in timelines, I made my own. There you go. So this one here in front of the nebula is just a uh, my my personal reliant that I snapped in front of somebody somewhere in my timelines game. There you go. Looks good. Absolutely it does, yeah. Pretty yeah. good model for a browser game. Yeah, right now I'm flying around in is it this one? Nope. It's the next one. Right now I'm ah. flying around in the Excelsior, but we're going to talk about the Oberth class cuz <laughs> Oberths are so fucking cute. Uh but also so fragile. They're so little. I didn't realize because there's comparison charts for size, like in in my shipyards books, and just all over the internet you can find these charts. But they're very little. Yeah. They're like little mice, the little mice of space. Yeah. I absolutely love that they have. So imagine, kind of like the general circle saucer section, like you have on every goddamn ship. But then you got your little nacelles on the side, and then underneath you just have a fucking surfboard. Yeah, and I kind of love that it just always looks like wherever it's going, it's surfing. Yeah. I no think that's neck, so though. cute. Yeah, no neck. Getting to the engineering section must be a pain in the ass, because there's no way there's a turbo lift in those nacelle struts. Yeah. I've I mean, seen it, it stated that the whole engineering section is supposed to be unmanned. Hmm. Okay, interesting. You only have to go down, you only have to like climb down the Jeffrey's tube to fix something if that goes wrong maybe yeah i mean i it kind of it kind of looks like a catamaran in a in a weird way yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. needs a little sail yeah it's a funny little thing um i find them adorable they might be my favorite so far yeah yeah but they do like it does feel like every time we see one it's getting blown up yeah the scale sad face because i'm looking at one so one of the pictures here is it's up against what looks like a like a, I think it's a galaxy n- class. A galaxy. No, that's um, it's like a nebula or something. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you can see the nacelles are tucked right underneath is... the saucer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's it's re- about the size of a galaxy class saucer, and yeah, it looks really tiny. It's really really tiny. But then you, some of these other photos, you can see like the size of the windows. It looks much much larger. Yeah. So the scale of the ship is. Unknown. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wait till we talk about the Kelvin ships, because who oh. the fuck knows with those things? That shot to the the Oberth in front of the Nebula or whatever. That's from the end of uh, Generations when they're evacuating the crew. Yeah. From oh. the planet at the very end. Okay. That's true. They did send in a whole bunch of Oberths to collect Picard's like crafts and shit. Yeah. Pictures of dead Renee. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they just must have a ton. Like, the reason we see these get destroyed all the time is just because there's probably a ton of them in service. Yeah. Because they're probably pretty cheap to make. Mm-hmm. Don't need a big crew. Yeah, that's why you don't have anybody in the engineering section. If something does go wrong, it's just going to blow up. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm betting that you can just jettison the entire engineering section in an emergency. Mm. Oh. Just pops right off. That'd yeah. be a good idea. Yeah, and then you can just use the top part, you know, one of, impulse drive or whatever. One of the ugliest kit bashes I've ever seen is an Oberth engineering section, and I think nacelles, with an Excelsior saucer. Oh, Ooh. weird. It's fucking awful. <laughs> you can buy one, because of course. Ah, speaking ah, of. I wanted to talk about the Excelsior, because the Excelsior, I think, is is so pretty. It really is. Like, it's very pretty. I have an uh, Excelsior here. I don't think this is the Excelsior, Jake, that I have this toy. Because that is it's the Enterprise got, B. Because it's got, it says Excelsior on it, though. I or know, did you put the, that on? No, I think, I don't know where that came from. 
that toy because this was, is definitely the B. Yeah, it, that toy came out around the time of Star Trek Generations, but maybe they sold two copies of it, one with the, or maybe they came with two sets of stickers. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it is, that is definitely the B. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll talk about the B in a minute. Let's talk about the Excelsior right now. The Excelsior, which just looks like a, like a luxury cruise liner of a ship. Cause it's yeah, got it's, this big, sh- big, it's just a big ship shape. But then the, um, the profile you get when you look at it from the side, it's so swoopy and sleek. Yeah. Like I love the, the cutout yeah. of the bottom of the hull. It's it just makes like it so long ice cream scooped out the lower half of a mm. like a cruise ship om nom nom yeah it also delicious you know it's supposed to be the uh test bed for what they were calling transwarp drive at that point where do you think the swimming pool is uh probably in that little piece in the back but um yeah, well, it looks fast even if it isn't you know yeah it's very sleek looking but i yeah. also yeah. think that they were conscious and make because it is kind of supposed to be the villain of the movie <laughs> or you know one of the villains of the movie and i think that they wanted to make because i don't know i see this i and it is it is objectively an attractive ship but i see it i i have contempt for this ship Whoa. because it looks it looks pretentious it looks like a jerk ship it looks Especially, like so what, I, what i'm hearing you saying is if this is like one of those movies like one of those skiing movies where yeah. the protagonists get get in a competition for who can ski down the hill fastest yeah and it's the pretty people who are like going to be like if we if we get out the, the hill fastest then we're going to claim the the hill for only pretty people versus yeah, like, the, like the heroes of the movie which is probably like fred savage or somebody yeah or this is this is the cobra kai to well, Kirk's Mr. Miyagi. You I think know? we think this because its first commander was Captain Fancy Baton. Well, yes, I agree. But seriously, boat shoes. This is the boat <laughs> shoe ship. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel the like return it, of boat shoes. It loses some of that edge, I think, once Sulu's in charge. Yeah, well, yeah. And like uh, the, more, and the more we learn about it and the more of these that we see... Oh, God, becomes, there's so many. <laughs> it becomes a friendly ship, but but I think just because my first exposure to it is Captain Fancy Baton and the fact that it's kind of portrayed as the villain in that movie. Yeah. Um, and it literally putters to a stop in space. Yeah, and it's pathetic. It, 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 it <laughs> farts itself to death. It's just uh, it's just sort of a sad thing. God, I hate when I fart well, myself to death. <laughs> were, you, were you saying, Ames, like the original plan was for... Kirk to take this ship over at the end of four, but then they were like, the fans wouldn't like that, so they came up with the Enterprise A instead. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Okay, that's something I read some. Maybe that's something I read that, that makes That would make, I mean, it would make sense, but yeah, I think, I think Kirk had to have, like, Kirk captaining anything that wasn't a constitution would have been a problem for people. Yeah. Which is too bad, because it's a, it's a fine ship. It's a nice ship. As, you know, we see a a thousand thousand times in TNG and DS9. Mm. Yeah, here's it, another time we're going to see it because we uh, we do see it as uh, the B, but there's a significant difference, a significant plot device driven difference I between that flair, the normal Excelsior, and what we needed for the Enterprise B, which is this little bit in the in the in the hull section in the en- engineering section that sticks out so that Kirk can get nommed up by the Nexus. They yeah, took... The Enterprise B looks like it's let itself go. 
<laughs> Those are took, it's love handles. Love handles, exactly what I was thinking when you said that. It really does ruin what was uh, like an almost perfect profile. Yeah. I also the ex the other thing is I don't like about this ship that they did are the extra impulse engines that they added. Yeah. Like, Where are those? So like you can on the back view you can see there's four impulse engines. Four little red things. Four, yeah. yeah, the four red things. They just they added those and it doesn't oh, yeah. look like a, they look like blinkers and brake lights. Yeah, yeah, and doing? it just it, it adds chunkiness to the saucer. Yeah, yeah. No, it it's it's very subtle differences, but just enough to ruin. It really shows like how little things can make big changes. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's a good reason you don't see this version of the Excelsior anywhere else. Well, I think you don't see it because most of the Excelsiors that we see are in TNG. Yeah. And this Oh, this is ship, after. This was made after. And like I I think, you know, they they obviously probably I mean, I'm assuming that they just modified the existing shooting model. They did. That they had. They then so, actually had to unmodify it for <laughs> Voyager. Jerks. Ah. Wow. And See, then I, then they just switched everything to CG shortly right, thereafter. Right. See, I also lose my entire suspension of disbelief. When they say like this tiny little sticky out bit on mm. the front of the of the hull area here is what the Nexus glommed onto, and then nothing exactly nothing else. Where yeah. you think like if you're taking this one tiny area, you should also be taking half the sh- the the saucer with you. Well, it's funny too because in early concept art that I had in a book, they just drew a normal Excelsior class, uh huh, and it just took a huge scar out of the whole side of the engineering section good and, yeah, and, 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 and in the cell maybe but then it wouldn't make sense that there was only one casualty right it, yeah which was, was which was they which is which i mean there could have been more than yeah, one casualty why not more casualties yeah. that's a good question because they wanted to make it you know oh it's kirk's heroic sacrifice and, and he's the only one uh, i do like the aqua trim i will that say is that. pretty it's a good color I like the I like the color on the Excelsior too, though it's a, it's also pretty it's a darker blue, but yeah, it's very yeah, nice. But we never, but again, we never see this color scheme other times in Star Trek. So it's no, like that's they, true. It's, it's like they were just doing some. It was like an experimental period in starship design. Yeah, like a, yeah. It's just paint them all kinds of crazy colors. Woo! Fuck it. <laughs> all right, let's skip ahead. We'll talk about just stuff in TNG now because I wanted to lump those together so you'd see them back to back. Oh, here she is. Let's move on to our galaxy class. Chris's I got a little galaxy class ship. here with its big honking sideways egg shuttle I'll, and, its, admit, and its oblong um, deflector dish. This actually is one of the angles it kind of looks okay from. How about but... any of these? <laughs> God, she's ugly. I mean, it's really, it's it's a problem of proportions, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, because... If the nacelles were bigger, maybe it would work better. I, I don't know. How about it's, four nacelles? No. It, no. Like, no. there are <laughs> uglier ships in Star Trek, but she's our ugliest hero ship. Ouch. Yeah, I think... <laughs> poor I think, bitch. <laughs> honestly, the design of the Enterprise C... Yes, is so much better than this. It's oh, we'll look at, we'll look at her in a minute. Let's finish yeah. on the on the galaxy class because I think the profile. You know how I was saying the profile of the Excelsior is so beautiful and mm. and like has that nice little flare bit. I think the the profile of a galaxy class ship just looks like a pelican. That's mm. unfair to pelicans, but you're not wrong. <laughs> it's just it's just another symptom of her being designed in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. inside, outside, she is so late 80s. She's I mean, a I, fucking I just, wind star. <laughs> She's a what? The Windstar is a 90s car. True, true. It, a terrible minivan. Uh, but she, yeah, she does. She definitely, yeah, either the Windstar or like that mid 90s Ford Taurus that was yeah. like all globular. Yeah. Um, just, oh. Yeah. Now, when did, now they decided that this, it had to be fucking huge because they decided that it was going to have like a giant crew complement and many of the crew complement was going to be people's families, which is why yep. there's over a thousand people on this thing. Yep. Why? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, that so that if it blows up, you've taken out a thousand people. That's a terrible idea. Uh, and their I families. Mean, <laughs> in universe, it makes no sense. In the real world, it was you know supposed to be a sign of how you know the Federation now is maybe a little more like settled than it had been in TOS. Yeah, we're in, we're Starfleet. in peacetime. Yeah, so like yeah, you're gonna have families on there. Oh, that's a good point. And as we find out in um the yesterday's enterprise when she's retrofitted for war her capacity is fucking crazy because i forget exactly how many people tasha says are on board the enterprise d in the war timeline but it's an extraordinary amount of people well yeah because you can imagine in normal in in peacetime you know you have these nice everyone's got giant quarters yeah but i'm sure you know if you just packed this thing with bunks oh yeah you Mm. know you could fit 10,000 people on this ship. Like, if you ever needed to evacuate a, oh, yeah. a significant population, just send a couple of galaxy classes and just put bunks in the suites. Yep, 10,000 really unhappy, uncomfortable people. Yep. Better mm-hmm. than being dead, though. Truth. Meh. Yep. All right, let's also jump back a little bit. Uh, before we had galaxy class, we must have had the Stargazer, Picard's first ship. Yeah, it looks like somebody ate two, two model kits of the Enterprise A and then vomited them. <laughs> and this was what was left. No, no, the the refit a- Constitution and the Miranda class had a baby. Oh, I like it's that. Wearing, it's just, it's wearing skis. Don't worry it's about just, it. I don't know. I just, I find this ship so absurd it's like she, a, it's like a it's like a, a clown show of a starship. She has a goofy charm. The sideways nacelles, which are clearly mm-hmm. just Enterprise A nacelles oh, on they their are. sides. Yep. Like it's it's it was like a. I feel like when they were planning, like when they were building the sets for, uh, or doing the set decorating for TNG, they're like, oh, let's put another starship model in Picard's office, just to have. And this is what they came up with. Well, no, because remember that. Oh, that's right. They swapped right. it in later. They swapped it in after they introduced the idea of the Stargazer. Yeah, so I, I don't know why they thought this was a good-looking thing or something they should do or ever. Uh, because they had it. all the parts and just could jam them together quickly. Yeah. Well, and also probably because, like, there's only so many places you can go from the same old fucking thing. There's a saucer. There's some nacelles. Where can we stick them? I don't know. We haven't tried super gluing okay. any right here we've we've done the top we've done the bottom we haven't done both <laughs> yeah 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 i mean uh, really they could have ju- they could have just made it so that the stargazer was a miranda class and that people would have been fine with it well remember she was or originally Soyuz. she was originally constitution class but then they changed it last minute You're so right, last minute you can see they overdubbed jordy yeah yeah i remember that is that true I missed, yeah I must yeah if you look that. he's very clearly saying constitution whoops 
What's something that sounds kind of like constellation, Constitution that we can just put over Jordy talking? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I have a weird soft spot for I own a, I own one of these. <laughs> it's on my desk at work. Yeah, I don't hate them. I think it's I think it's something that uh, the Federation would do. It and I also love because I've got the I've got the shipyards books and I've been reading up and whatever they have like ships that you don't see much of. They basically made up all kinds of big, great backstory on why they're like that. And it's Perfect. quite hilarious. So what is the what is the in-universe explanation for the four warp engines? Oh, I don't remember. And I don't have it on the screen. Let's see. ba ba ba. Unusually for Star Trek vessels, those of the Constellation class were equipped with four warp nacelles. Two were mounted on pylon above the, com- the, the comma and saucer, and two hung below. Ah, uh, but the, I don't think I have the screen up where I can read the whole thing. It is a well-hung ship, I'll say. Uh. I, I read a fan theory, which I actually quite liked, which was just that what it is is you never mo- use more than two at a time. Oh, you can save fuel that way. Well, not even that. You can have more sustained high warp. Uh-huh. By just like when you're start like when you're trying to tax two of the nacelles rather than slow down, you switch to the other two, and then you can kind of stay at high warp longer. That's, that's not a bad theory. That's pretty no, good. I liked it. I accept it because like, you know what? It makes more sense than anything else. Hmm. Yeah, I know there's definitely one like that, because there's a couple random ones that you see in the backgrounds of things that have three nacelles, and they say that's so that in case one of them isn't working, they still have enough nacelles to do shit. Yeah, I, smart. I do like that you can kind of see exactly which parts of the Constitution refit models yeah. that they kick bash. <laughs> like, like the the sections like where the where the, all the nacelles meet right behind the saucer. Like, mm-hmm. is clearly there. There's a, like a little little rotunda area on the top of the Enterprise A. Yep. Uh, and you can see that right there with where the impulse drives are and everything. And it's just, she's a it's, little rotunda, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's it is. I mean, it's not. I, I don't hate it either. It's just it's just so silly looking, but it is a it's, fun ship. It is as far as kit bashes go. It's better than a lot of the wolf ones that we're not gonna focus on. Yeah, maybe oh, I'll yeah. put. I'll, I might put them in a tumbler one day, just so we can see how ridiculous they are. It's better than the Freedom class, which is literally <laughs> just an Enterprise D saucer, a very long strut, and a single nacelle. Yeah, it's the doofiest Whee! looking ship. Sounds like a paper uh, airplane. Somehow. Ah, there she is. A not so doofy looking ship is the the fucking chunk of the Enterprise C, which is Ambassador class, and it just looks like this ship has been working out, man. This is what. Look the, at this fucking thing. Enterprise D should have been. Yeah. Do you even lift, bro? What's that fascinating about this design is that um. Oh, it has a butthole. They had to reverse engine. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's its front. Never mind. <laughs> it has a front butt. <laughs> they, they had to reverse oh, no. engineer it from the model on the um, conference room wall. Oh, hmm. okay. Because what they had done was they had designed, you know, they're like, All right, we know, we're on the D. We know that the original and the A were Constitution. We know the B is Excelsior. We don't know what the C is. So they made a profile that felt like a stepping stone between Excelsior and Galaxy. But again, it was just a profile. So then they had to like, extrapolate from that and make a full ship and you can see some of that there it's got excelsior styles struts it's kind of got some of the like weird ribbing on the neck Mm. yeah i think the main like the big difference we see between this ship and the galaxy this is a ship built for war this is the ship that we saw in that um in yesterday's enterprise when they're fighting romulans and or klingons or both or who knows what the fuck was going on well they were going 
to rescue a distress call from a Klingon ship that had been attacked by Romulans. Yeah. And then okay. they ended up having to fight the Romulans themselves. Yeah, but this is a, this is a, a just a whole bicep of a ship that that is here to <laughs> that is here to punch you. you know and then when we change over to the Galaxy class in a kind of not currently at warship, like they're like, okay, this ship can be kind of weird because we don't need to like be thinking only about fighting people. You know what it is, Ames, is that the the Ambassador class is a ship that works out honestly. The Galaxy class is a ship that works out and does roids. Yeah, they're juicing. You know, it's like, it's like someone who's just muscular versus a professional bodybuilder who's all, like, bloated and sort of uncomfortable looking. Sinewy and looks like he'll pop if you touch him. Yeah. You know what's weird, though, about the artwork here is that the, the, there's, there's inconsistencies between... So, like, the the artwork here in, that's on the upper right side, the struts for the... Um, for the nacelles are very long. Yeah. If you look at the if you look at the artwork down on the bottom, the actual like photograph. Oh yeah, that is funny. Much much shorter. That's weird. That's and that weird. looks a lot better. I think that's weird because this is from the the shipyards book. Yeah. So that's weird. So I don't know what the difference is where the which I, one is actual screen accurate. But don't quote me, but I think like when they reused the model later in, like, I think the S9 or something, they had tweaked it a bit from the one that was used in yesterday's Enterprise, mm. which uh, you never get a great look at in the episode, as I But they did have the model of it, so they should know. Well, yeah, but I think they, I think they, like, that's the thing, they is there's technically, it? there's technically different screen-accurate versions, depending on which version you're talking about, I think. Yeah, well, the one the one here on our screen in the bottom left, I think, is is the one that I that I like the most. Because mm. it looks it looks beefy. It it's I like that it's got a round saucer. It looks yeah. like it actively has the meat sweats. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. What else have we got? We got just a couple more, just because I want to make sure we wrap this up and turn our air conditioners back on. The Bozeman is a Soyuz class, which is very very fucking close to Miranda class. Yeah, it's almost not worth calling it its own class, but they did But I wanted to, because I love the Bozeman. Oh, yeah, no, it's a great ship. And again, it's, like you said, they do call it a different class for some and this reason. this one actually does look like it's got cannons yeah, on the side. It's those are, the on top. It's those are like scanners. Even, on, even the big gun on top is a yeah, those are those aren't, those aren't guns. Those are for scanning. Because it's, a, because it's a surveying ship. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like that's got to be a retcon. I'm sure when they built this thing, they knew that they were making things that looked like gun turrets. Cause yeah, they really well, do. We see the thing on screen for all of a quarter of a second before it yeah. explodes. So they, sure yeah, they, they made just, it up. They just got a a, a reliant kit. Oh yeah, and, it looks like a frog. Oh, it's got a. It's even got a gun on the bottom, which I never oh, yeah, yeah, or a, a sensor. <laughs> Yeah, it's barely different enough from a Reliant to call it its own class, but they did for some reason. Even though there's so many, already so many variations of the... the there uh, are a lot, yeah. Miranda. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but I figured I'd include it because it's, oh, yeah, it's got all those extra scanners. It's got the... instead it, No roll bar. Instead, it's got this big, like, honking little crow's nest full of more scanners and then a little pendulum underneath full of scanners and maybe you know what it is compared to like the enterprise d maybe it's technically a lot bigger than the miranda class which is why it's its own class oh maybe there yeah. it is yeah see like i have a feeling version it needs all these sensor pods and stuff that's what they i see what's what the label on it says is sensor yeah. pod because batesman 
uh, had to be transmitting his radio show somehow. Uh, See, I was going to say it's uh, you know seeking out lettuce for the tossed salads. <laughs> oh, God. God damn it. <laughs> All right, only a couple more. Uh, let's start with uh, Nebula, Nebula class, of which there are a couple of different variants depending on if you attach what I swear to God looks like if you've got like a little picnic table table in front of your saucer, or if you've got a little triangle table in front of your saucer. Yeah, it's the it's TNG does the Reliant. I imagine, you know, the circular one, I suppose, is kind of meant to be kind of an oblique reference to those uh, radar oh, the, the planes AWACS. from the Cold War. Yeah, the AWAC planes with the es big... Especially because the first one we see is Maxwell's, and he's kind of pulling some unsanctioned he's try he's spy shit. some uh, spy shit, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind this ship so much. It's, I mean, it is, like, obviously a kit bash of the D, and that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah, it's like they um, kind of folded folded the D in half and just, like, pushed and then it gave together. It a, and then of. gave it a picnic table. Exactly. Yeah. You know, for Which the I'm families. guessing that, like, see that when they talk <laughs> about like a sensor module, that's what I would picture. Yeah, something like ah, that. doesn't look at all like gun turrets. No, nope. it doesn't. It looks like some kind of thing containing equipment. Also, from the top, the oval one kind of looks like it has a face, and it's going. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they have two different ones. One with the kind of like little wing, and one with the circle. But well, you know, the wing is probably more aerodynamic or some shit. <laughs> No, it's, it's, you know, like I said, they, they swap out stuff as they need it. It's that same idea of that word I still can't think of, and I'm trying to find it. Whatever the Google Pixel is, or how it was supposed to be. Remember in the beginning, Google was like, we're going to put all this shit that you can... Modular. Modular? Modular, yes! Modular! I think she was supposed to be like a modular ship like the Reliant was, where you can easily swap out its big top part, depending on what you need it to do. Right, right. Or maybe the triangle version is an improved sensor suite. Could be. Yeah, I find it. I find it very silly just having like because it looks like my family had a couch where you could like pull down a tray that was embedded in the couch and have a little tray. Oh, fun! It looks like that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, again, it just it suffers from the weird bloat oblongness of the galaxy class. Yeah. All right, last one of the day that I wanted to talk about. Ooh. I love Olympic class for no fucking reason uh, other than it's different. So chunky <gasps> and weird looking. I like it. Looks like a big fucking Epcot Center on top, like uh, attached to the rest of a ship. I like it. She does look a little odd from the front or behind because of the slightly weird nacelle pylons. Like they look so tiny compared to the sphere and all that. Hmm. But it makes sense as a medical ship. Like, you feel like if it's going to show up and maybe have to, like, treat a lot of people, you know, if it's going to be mo board a lot of folks and this and that, mm -hmm. like the size, having a, a, a sphere instead of a saucer. I think you also um, want to be visually distinct so that you can cross your fingers and hope. No, don't attack us. We're a medical ship. Yeah. Please stop attacking. We're medical. Stop it. Also mm. a, uh, you know, an evolution of the, the Daedalus class, which... Has only ever, I think, been seen as models in the show. But there was a period where Starfleet was crazy about spheres instead of saucers. Yeah, that's why I kind of wonder. Like, I know this this was a in a in a future setting. But yeah, it doesn't. It looks like it's a throwback, hmm. honestly, to like the Enterprise C era to me. Mm. The well, Nacelle, this feels like a the, throwback to older ship design in general. Like you yeah. feel like this was kind of what they were trying to avoid with the original Enterprise. Yeah. Well, that's uh, one of the early versions of the Enterprise. 
that Jeffries was making kind of looked like this. And then Gene walked in and said, no. Flatten it. Yeah. Although I I do like that. I appreciate that. It looks like a boob. (laughs) Keep that part. It's interesting that it's the Olympic class, because if I recall, and I could be wrong here, and I'm sure some of our more uh, historically minded uh, listeners could correct me, but if I recall, you know, the Olympic class steamships of which there were three, Mm. one of which being the Titanic, but the Olympic was the, the prototype ship and was the class name ship. And after its service on the White Star Line, it was drafted into World War One, and was a hospital ship. Sounds right. Oh, that's cool. So I wonder if I wonder if the class here is a nod to. It could be the IRL Olympic class. Um, oh, that is a good nod. It would certainly also, make sense. I also like that this particular vessel is called the Pasteur. That's pretty mm. good. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And Bev looks great when she's captaining it. So she does. Yeah. Nice work, Bev. Yep. Way to have a big golf ball looking ship. <laughs> It also, I'm noticing here, it only has the, it doesn't have any, like, actual Starfleet insignia on it. No, you're right. Oh, interesting. You're right, it's just Maybe the... another way to help distinguish it from being a warship. Well, maybe it's, I'm wondering if maybe it's, like, a civilian ship, like, if it's not technically a Starfleet ship, if it's, like, a civilian crew. Well, it has a Starfleet crew, though. Yeah, and it's it's got a Starfleet registry number, so yeah, true. But I wonder if, yeah, if there is some distinctive distinction to it that it's yeah. not a um sphere sphere and no delta please don't shoot us mm-hmm. yeah and we know that the federation is at war in this time period so yeah that makes sense all right so that's all i wanted to cover today because we have a lot of ships to cover and if we did them all we'd be here for days yep uh so we're gonna break here we're gonna jump into the tng films and the rest of the that film the ds9 voyager era bullshit next time So look forward to that then. As I said, you can see screen grabs and pictures and some timelines images that I've created from my own ships. They're all going to be up on our Tumblr, sshpodcast.com. So definitely be following there so you can see all the ships that that we're talking about. I know we're skipping some of the more tangential ships, so if you miss any, um, you know, give a shout out to them. We like them too, probably. I just don't want to be here for a goddamn year. So let's see, what else are we doing next week? Next week we're talking more ships, like I said. We're also going to be talking more Voyager, as as one does. Continuing on through season four with episodes Nemesis. This can't be God good. Damn it, Star why, Trek. Why would they rename a why would they name a movie after this episode? Star Trek, you're at it again. Uh so ne- next week is Nemesis and also Revulsion over Gross. in Voyager Land. <laughs> So definitely be listening over to your on whatever podcast application you're using. We're on all of them. We're on SoundCloud. We're on the Apple one. We're on the Google one. We're on some other ones. You know what you're listening to right now. Just continue doing that or try a new one. I really don't care. Uh, I do care if you want to follow us on the Facebook because that will be fun because I'll be sharing, you know, links and stuff there. Uh, You can follow us on the Twitter as well, which we barely use. Or you can follow us on MySpace. Which oh. we really don't keep up, because why would we? It's not, it has no functionality. It's None. Terrible. Zero functionality. Much like me, Ames. And me, Caitlin. And me, Borg. Well, I don't care what the rest you say, I'm fully functional. This has been Chris. Hey. Hey. Hey-o. We are Borg. <laughs>
welcome! It's yet another Star Hate. It's too hot. It's too damn hot today to do keep the intro. All that in. I know you are. No, don't. Don't keep all that in. He yeah, usually does. It's I'll pretty make it great. I'll the post credits if nothing better oh pops God. up. Fair. <laughs> 